I want to say this. I want to say good morning officially. Good morning, everybody. Uh, How is it going? So we are in week two of this journey together, this adventure through the story, which is not, uh, it is our story, but more importantly, it's God's story. We found out last week, he's actually the main character of this thing called the story. So uh, let me ask, how many of you already have your books? Say, we've got our books, Pastor. We've got our books for us, for our children. You have your books, right? Did you bring them with you? Did you have them bring them with you? All right, all right, good, good, good. Some of you took the the cover off, so everybody will know it's yours, Gary. It doesn't look like everybody else's. I do encourage you, write your name inside the cover, uh, otherwise it is easy to get these things mixed up. But I want to say this to you, if you're just joining us and you don't have a copy of the story yet, don't worry, it's not too late. Here's the deal, our church has handed out about 440 copies of the story so far. Uh, We ordered about 450, we've already handed out 440 copies, that's you guys, we didn't do it, Uh, you guys have taken them to friends, to relatives, to neighbors, invited them, um, and, and, and all kinds of people from all over, not just that live in Elgin, are joining us on this journey, they're listening online. They're reading on their own. Um, we do, if you're here today and you don't have copies of the materials, we have them down this hallway. We've, we've got, here's the deal. Our shipment was supposed to come in Thursday. And uh, our, our rep called us back and said, I'm so sorry, I ordered it late. It's my bad. I'm going to give you a discount next week or next time you order. Next week, see, we're already. But um, we've got 60 more copies of this coming, but we've got about 10 left. We've got about 10 left. So if you need one, grab them today. Don't worry like, oh, I'm taking the last one. It's fine. We're going to have them in tomorrow. So they'll be in tomorrow. If for some reason, reason you can't get a copy, come back and see us. Uh, like, like We're probably going to get them tomorrow around 4, so um, you can come by Tuesday, s- just swing by. We'll give you as many copies as you need, okay? Uh, that's my little plug there. And again, we have books for the entire family. We have books for different books for third through sixth graders, different books for young ones. So um, that's what we're doing. So uh, here's, somebody asked me, Pastor, why are we doing this again? And, and that's fine because they missed kind of the intro. So primarily we're doing this to engage people with scripture. Number one indicator of spiritual growth in people uh, is whether or not they're involved with God's word. And so the story does that. Two, we want to create connections. Uh, because the story has so many different versions, it's got the adult version, it's got the third through sixth grade version, it's got the stuff for the first and second graders and stuff for the kindergartners. Everybody's kind of reading the same thing. And it gives us points of connection, not just in our families, but also within the church. That uh, my, my, my child, my third through sixth grader, can walk up to any adult and go, hey, so what did you think about Abraham? And we think that's pretty cool, right? We think that's really cool. We want to create those connections, so we're doing it for that. Um, But we're also doing it, and this is one of my favorite reasons, because this is a chronological uh, uh, story. Um, It helps us kind of figure out how all the pieces of the Bible fit together. And so I heard this analogy this week, and I really liked it, so I stole it. and uh, it said, how many of you like to put puzzles together? Anybody do that? Family time? You put not, not like all the time. I'm not asking, do you put a puzzle together every week? But every once in a while, you like a good puzzle, right? Okay. So have, have you ever tried to put together the puzzle without the box lid? Right? Like you go out in the garage. We've got them in our garage. After we, you know, we'll throw them in there. And, so, and, and every once in a while, they end up in a Ziploc bag, meaning the box has been stepped on or something. If you forget to put the picture on the box lid inside the thing, it's really hard to put together, I'm just going to say. It's really hard to put together, right? So listen, the story is not the Bible. Like, it's segments of the Bible, but it's not meant to replace your Bible. It's meant to be the box lid that shows you how the Bible fits together. It's really just a tool. And so uh, we're excited. So last week, um, we jumped in, and, uh, and in a moment, I'm going to recap that. But first, let's do this. Let's, let's pray. Uh, I'll remind you, hopefully you're, you read chapter 2, right? How many people did the reading this week? Well, what? Good job, guys. Awesome. Um, your reading... James, I know we said early on it was 12 pages and it was 14. Which two did you leave out? 
<laughs> the last words, I got eight pages in. All right. Uh, so, uh, again, we, we, we want to encourage it, right? So, um, here's the deal. Just so you know, this morning, that, that 14 pages you read actually covered the span, if you turn to the back of the book, um, of about uh, 24 chapters of Scripture. I, I actually read all of those chapters this week because I didn't want to leave anything out. I didn't want to miss anything. So uh, if you were in Sunday school and you saw Max Akato's video, he stole all my stuff. I didn't watch his video, but he stole my sermon. But it, it's going to be good anyway. Um, let's pray real quick and invite our teacher to join us. Um, Father God, we come and we're so thankful that we get to worship you in this place, in this house. So excited, um, Lord, what you have been doing here as you've been teaching us your story. And we're only, we're only here week two and, and yet, with so much excitement, I'm so thankful for every family, for every person, for every heart that is joining us on this, on this great adventure through your word. Holy Spirit, we come now and invite you to take your proper place. Um, God's word says that you are our teacher and that you are our guide. And so we step back now and we invite you to come and to teach from this pulpit and to teach us the ways of Jesus. Please lift him up that he might draw us unto himself. We ask these things in Jesus' holy, powerful, and precious name. Amen. Amen. So very quick recap. If you happen to miss last week, we'll, we'll hit all the high points. Um, last week, um, and if you have your copy of the story, you also were, were given these out. And uh, these are just bookmarks, but they have on them a really cool timeline. And so last week, we did the whole first segment of the timeline. We call it the first movement. And it was the story of the garden. The story of the garden, which is basically from creation to fall to flood and then Babel. And we kind of covered all of those things last week. And this is what we said in that first movement movement, what we find is that God in the upper story chooses to create uh, the lower story. And he does so with this vision of coming down to be with us in a beautiful garden. And we walked through that whole first movement together. And here's the highlights. Just three things that we kind of talked about. We talked about the fact that God creates, right? And everything is good. God creates and everything is good, especially mankind. The Bible says that man, above all else, is God's crowning creation, that, that we were made in his image and in his likeness. And we talked exactly about what that meant. Now, if you weren't with us last week, it's okay. You can go onto our website, fbcelgin.org, under our media tab, and you can, you can listen to all of our old sermons. And so our current series now is The Story, and you just click on it, and, uh, and it's there. You click on sermons, and you can do that. We also have a podcast, iTunes Story. You can listen there, and so you can get all those good details. Second thing we talked about last week was the fact that man sinned. Man sinned and everything changed. Everything changed. Our relationship with God, our relationship with one another, our relationship with all God's creation, everything changed. But then we ended on this high note, right? God promises he will provide. So in chapter 3 of the book of Genesis, we are introduced to the great antagonist of the story. Every good story's got to have a, a good bad guy. Not a good bad guy, but a bad bad guy in this case. And the antagonist name in this story, throughout the story, is Satan. Satan, and he's there in the garden uh, in the form of a serpent, and he tempts Adam and Eve to sin, causes separation between them and God. They can no longer be in God's presence. They no longer have access to eternal life, right? And, and this bad guy, uh, the Bible says, hates us. And it hates, he hates us because we're made in God's image and because God loves us. And, and so, but then there's this promise there. Uh, even, even with the fall, this beautiful promise from God, he said, a son is coming who's going to crush his head. A son is coming who is going to crush his head. And that is where uh, our first movement 
in our first chapter left off. Now this morning we pick up chapter 2, and with chapter 2 comes an entire new movement. So if you've got your timeline there, it's kind of that blue section. I, I don't know, it's like bluish green. I don't, ladies probably know what color that actually is called. It's probably something fancy. I don't know, it's bluish green, all right? And we're going to start this movement, this section, but we're going to be in this movement for a little while because it actually begins in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, it's called the story of Israel. And the story of Israel begins in Genesis chapter 12, and it doesn't end until the book of Malachi, okay? So this is a long little segment here, and here's what we find in this new movement, movement number two, okay? I've got the slide for you. Just read along with it, and I'm going to show this to you each week for a while till we really understand what this movement two is all about. In movement two, when we talk about the story of Israel, this is what we find. God builds a brand new nation called Israel. Through this nation... He's going to reveal his presence, his power, and his plan to get us back. Now check this out. This next slide is really important, okay? Every story of Israel points to the first coming of Jesus. Okay, Americans, please hear me. Every story of Israel does not point to the United States of America. Every story of Israel points to the first coming of Jesus, the one who will provide the way back to God. Now, as we get into that movement, we find a long list of characters, don't we? And they begin with, with, with some older people, some older folks, right, uh, named Abram and Sarai. Named Abram and Sarai. And so God is, is going to call this man named Abram to get out of his comfort zone and to leave everything that he knows behind and get this to go to a place that God's not going to tell him yet. He just is like, listen, Abram, I want you to get up and I want you just to go and I'll tell you where to stop eventually. Now, how's that work out if I ask you to go home tonight and pack up your whole life? I'll call you, okay? I want you to go home right now. Y'all go home later, pack up your whole life. Pack up the house, pack up the kids, rent the U-Haul, get on the road and I'll call you and tell you where to stop. How's that road trip going to be? Right? I don't know about you. I have four kids, right? And I can tell you how that road trip is going to be. Are we there yet? 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 I mean, I have four of them, so this goes on for a while. Are we there yet? Right? And then eventually, you just, ah, I don't even know where we're going. Please stop asking. I don't know where there is, right? Now, Abram and Sarai, they don't have any children at this point, okay? Right? They're actually well beyond childbearing years, and so it's just Sarai. Right? Just doing that wife thing that y'all love to do with husbands. Are you sure you know where you're going? Is your phone's GPS working? Like, did you, did you get directions? Do we need to stop and ask directions? Because I saw a guy on a camel back there. Like, he could probably point us in the right direction. Do you know where you're Like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Hey, hon, are we almost there? What do you, what do you think? Are we, are we getting close to being there? Could, could you let me in on a little bit of where we're headed? And finally, he's like, honey, I don't know! I don't know where we're going. You've got to stop asking. Like, I don't know where we're going, but I do know this. You and I are going to have to ride on separate camels. That's going to have to happen. And so, uh, listen to what God says to this man, uh, Abram. Listen to this call. It says, the Lord says to Abram, go from your country and your people and your father's household to the land that I'm going to show you, and I'll make you in a great nation. So that's the first promise. Then he says, and I will bless you, right? And I'll make your name great. And, I, and, and you are going to be a blessing. So he's going to bless him to actually bless others, uh, which is really cool. And whoever curses you, I'm going to curse. And all the people on earth are going to be blessed through you. We've got one more, right? When Abram was 90, oh, not there yet. No, go back, go back. So, um, so that's what happens. That's what happens. That's kind of the trip. Um, God says, hey, I want you to go. I'm not going to tell you where to go. And, and uh, of course, Abram does, and, which, is, which is really astounding. 
So God calls Abram to do this remarkable thing, to leave um, without knowing where he's going, and Abram trusts him, and he does it, and, and, and God makes um, him this promise, which is really cool. He says, listen, Abram, I'm going uh, to make a whole new nation. I, I'm, I'm going to populate a whole new people group through you too. I'm going to populate a whole new people group through the two of you. Your descendants are going to be greater than the stars in the sky, Okay? And they're going to be more numerous than the sands on the seashore. You won't be able to count them. We did this in Kingdom Kids this week. Uh, this is my little sand jar. I can never count all the grains in this one jar, much less those on, this, uh, on, on, the, on the shore. Now, along the way, Abram and Sarai um, do something a lot of us do. They decide they're, they're going to help God out because God sometimes needs a hand. <laughs> So they get a little bit into the process and God says, hey, you two older folks are going to populate a whole new people group. And they're going, all right, Lord, they've been at it for a while. And they're like, we're going to give you a hand. And so uh, Sarai's like, hey, why don't you take my maidservant and, and conceive with her? And Abram's like, okay, I guess. And uh, so Ishmael's born. Ishmael, his, his first son Ishmael is born, and, and just tragic consequence. Uh, if you don't know, Ishmael is, is, is literally uh, the, the head of all of the Arab people. When you think about the conflicts in our world together, Ishmael is the father of all Arab people. And uh, the Muslim religion actually sees Ishmael as the promised son of Abraham, not Isaac. And, and that kind of brings us to our first warning, our disclaimer for the day, if you will, right? God doesn't need your help planning your life. He doesn't. God doesn't need your help planning your life. Like God has a plan for your life. His desire, he wants your cooperation. He, he wants you to follow him. He wants your faith, but he doesn't need your plan. He doesn't need you to take his plan and to try to hurry it up or to try to do it your own way. In fact, what we find out historically throughout the Bible and throughout mankind, when people do this, tragic consequences. Tragic consequences. And so I don't know what the Lord is calling you to, but I, I, I pray you'll be faithful like these folks uh, were not, and that you'll wait long enough. Now, fast forward a bit. Abram is now 99 years old. He was 75 when God called him. If you, you say, well, I'm still waiting on that promise God made me. Some promises take a while. 24 years later, God speaks to him again. And he reminds him of the call, but he also, he also expands the call. Genesis 17, 1 through 7. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. And then I will make a, my covenant between me and you and you uh, and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I'll make nations of you and kings will come from you and I'll establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants. Part of this new covenant, this new identity involves this thing called circumcision. And it's at this point that God changes their names from Abram and Sarai to Abraham and Sarah. And it's at this point that Sarah gets pregnant. And, and she's going to conceive and she's going to have their son named Isaac. And, and, and it's through Isaac, of course, that all the promises of God and all the blessings of God um, for these two are going to come. But that's not going to happen without a test. 
you read that in, in your copy of the story. And by the way, when I put up scripture slides, just know there in parentheses are always uh, the, the copy of the page of the story. If that's what you brought with you, you can turn to that page to keep along. But Genesis chapter um, 22, uh, starting in verse 1 and 2, page 19 of the story, it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Right, This promise was going to come with a test. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I'll show you. Now, we talked about some of this last week. This is some of the reason that God eliminated people for this kind of stuff. How on earth could God call Abraham to do this? Why would he call Abraham to do this? We'll get there in a little bit. But first, I just want you to see how Abraham answers. He pretty much answers the same way that he answers when God says, Hey, get up, pack up everything you have, and go now. I'll tell you later where you're headed. Look at this. It says, Early the next morning, he got up, loaded up his donkey. So he did. He's like, Isaac, got to go, man. Hop up. Let's go. It's, it, it's absolute crazy. Now, Isaac is probably about 15 years old at this time. He's about 15 years old. He's, an, he's big enough to carry the wood on his back as they hike up the mountain. So he kind of knows what's going on. He says to his dad, like, hey, dad, I don't understand. So we've got the wood. You've got the fire. We've got the knife. But where on earth is the lamb? And that's when Abraham says something really prophetic in Genesis 22.8. I want you to remember this verse. I'm going to come back to it. I'm going to show it to you in a different translation. But Genesis 22a, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. God will provide. That, that, that's the lesson. And God does provide, of course. Uh, there is a ram um, caught by his horns in the thicket. But God doesn't provide that ram until Abraham raises the knife. Did you notice that in the text? There's probably a lesson in there for us. Now Isaac eventually grows up and he marries Rebekah and they have two sons, Esau and, 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 and Jacob. And, and, and this family is, is plagued with favoritism. Esau is, is Isaac's favorite. Um, Jacob is Rebekah's favorite. And evidently Jacob kind of takes after his mom. He's a bit of a schemer. Uh, he he, he kind of schemes his older brother out of his birthright. And then eventually he and his mom tag up to steal the blessing uh, that was supposed to go to Esau. Of course, we know if we read the Bible, it's not in the story. But in, in, in that bigger version, that, that this was actually not, not the way they went about it, but the end result, God foretold that the younger would rule over the older, right? He, he told that to her while she was pregnant. So we know God's going to use this as part of his plan no matter what. Either way, Esau is hat. And Jacob, rightfully smart, ran for his life. Now, when he runs away, he goes to another country, he goes to live with some family, and there he falls in love with a beauty queen, Rachel. And he is, he is enamored with Rachel. So he, he agrees, I'm going to work seven years just to marry her. Whew! I'm telling you, she's something. And uh, only problem is on the wedding night, there's a little switcheroo, and he ends up marrying Leah. And here's what the Bible says about Leah. Ready? She is not much of a looker. That's all it says. It says she is not lunch of a liquor. Now, God honors this, though, and opens her womb. Leah is going to have several children. Uh, Jacob is going to work another seven years, finally marry the love of his life, Rachel. And after she struggles with infertility for many years, she too will have children. Um, and uh, she's going to have a son named Jacob. And it's kind of here in the story of... of, of uh, Jay, I mean, she's going to name him Joseph. And so it's kind of here in the story of Jacob and his two wives that the upper story and the lower story take a bit of a fork. 
See, the lower story is going to continue. It's going to continue um, through Joseph, and we'll, we'll get there next week. That's where our text ends today. And we're going to talk about the life of Joseph ne- next week. But I just want you to know that this upper story is going to do something a little different. So what can we walk away from understanding out of all that this morning? I'm going to give you three things very quickly. Okay, first and foremost, I want you this week to understand that God uses people we would never pick to bring about his purposes. God uses people we would never pick to bring about his purpose. And so God is going to build a nation, right? An entire, uh, he's going to populate an entire people group. And to do that, like you, he's got to choose some people, right? To populate the people group. And so God, as the divine team captain in all of humanity, against the fence, lining up for the big dodgeball game, kind of just hoping to get chosen, right? Like who does God, as the divine team captain, pick? And we should probably pause there and say, who, who would we pick on the playground that day, right? I don't know about you, but I want somebody strong and fast and good looking. I want somebody that is intelligent. I want somebody that is educated. I want somebody that has been raised in a good home, that, 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 that fears the Lord. If I'm going to populate people that fear the Lord, right? A whole nation of God fears. I want them, I, I want them to come from that good background. Like, like it might help if they've got a history of fertility in their family, right? I mean, if, if their whole family had 12 kids and 17 kids and 20, 22 kids and 15 million kids. Like, I want that person. You're going to be a good family line. We're going to get this sucker going. Here we go. Now, that's how I would choose. In fact, I, I would tell you today, like, just freak you out. You know, there are, there are, we're in this new world, all, all kinds of possibilities of cataclysmic events, right? And uh, there are probably scientists somewhere that have already selected. If something happens to America, here's the people we're going to save. Right? And then we'll, we'll have them and they'll repopulate our nation. There's probably, they probably got that figured out. Don't worry, you're not on the list. Me neither. Okay, it's all right. It's all, it's all the all the biggest, strongest, fastest, best looking, most intelligent. They're, they've got all the scientists, and they're going to somehow figure it out, right? They probably that's how people pick. That's how people choose. That's who we would choose. But God doesn't look at, at, at the appearance of a man. He looks at the heart of a man. God chooses completely different people, and so you know, God instead, right? In in, in His story, uh, by the way, which is still going on, which we're a part of. And, and this, this is true all the way throughout the story. God picks an elderly couple who can't have children to populate this new group of people. See, God chooses people we wouldn't pick to bring about his purpose. And that, that, that truth comes all the way through the story to the, to the age that we're in today. God still chooses people that we wouldn't to accomplish his purpose. So he picks an elderly couple who can't have children to populate this new group of people. Let me say that again. He picks an elderly couple past childbearing years to populate a, a whole new nation. It is almost laughable. It's like God looked at the worst candidates possible and he said, yep, yep, let's go with these. Like the most broken. Sarah is barren. Abraham is old. He, he doesn't come from a good home. Like his dad was not just an idol worshiper. Get this. His dad made idols, right? Eventually for this nation, that is number two on the no-no list. Don't make for yourself an idol, right? And this is where God chooses to begin this story. This is where God chooses to build this nation with, 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 with these people. And God's going to do the same thing when we look at Leah, right? Right? I mean, when, when, think about Jacob. Jacob longed for Rachel. That's who he picked. That's who he chose. That's, that, that, that was the one that he loved. It, through Rachel, that lower story is going to continue with Joseph, who we'll talk about next week. But the upper story, God's promise to eventually bring about a son that will crush the head of Satan, that's going to come through Leah, the one that's unloved. And this is extremely good news for us. That's what I would tell you today. 
This is extremely good news for us, for me and and for you. God uses broken people. God uses damaged goods. That's what he does. That's what he does. And this is extremely good news. Some of you today need to take that truth to heart. God uses people we would never pick to bring about his purpose. People like you and people like me. Second thing I I think we need to point out as we read through this chapter is, guys, faith is a game changer, right? Faith is a game changer, absolutely and completely. One of the things I love about reading the Bible chronologically is that it interweaves uh, segments of the New Testament with what's going on in the Old Testament. Um, And in this case, in our chapter, one of the things that he quotes from quite a bit is Hebrews, right? And remember, this is what Hebrews said about uh, Abraham. So we knew that he got up and we left. We just didn't know why. Why would he do that? And and, and Hebrews 11, 8 tells us why. By faith, he does it. What is that when somebody gets up and they're willing to pack up their whole life, their whole existence, and say, yeah, God, I'll follow you instead? What do you, what do you call that? And the Bible says you call that faith. It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an, his inheritance, he obeyed and he went, even though he didn't know where he was going. And not only did he go, check this out, when he got there, he, he, he stayed, right? It says, by, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. Can you imagine that? You show up. God says, man, I've got a promise for you. I'm going to take you to play. It's going to, if you are going and going and going, right? I mean, how many days have we put on the camel at this point for crying out loud? I'm a little chafed here, Lord. And I show up and he goes, hey, hop off. You're here. What? Here? Where's, where's the house? Where's the palace? You said I was going to be great. I'm going to live in a tent? You're here, Right? And look at it, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And then probably my favorite scripture all week long, Romans 4.18. I love this. It's it's at the bottom of page 15 uh, in your copy of the story. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring. Let me say that again. I love that phrase. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And, and friends, that's what faith is. Faith is believing in God against all hope. Faith is trusting God even when it doesn't make sense. Faith is, is trusting God even when you can't see how the situation is going to work out. And the result of that kind of faith is this, Genesis 15, 6. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Another way to say that is that because of his faith, Abraham was saved. Abraham was saved. I'm telling you, friends, faith is a game changer. It was for Abraham and it can be for you too. All right? Last one. I want you to see this morning that God is faithful and that he will provide. God is faithful and he will provide. So there's a question that naturally arises out of the story of Abraham and Isaac. And the question is why? Why would a loving God ask Abraham to sacrifice his, his son? Why? Why would that happen? And I, I think the answer might be a little 
deeper than you think. Now, on, on, the, on the surface level, you go, well, God tested him to, to show him that he was provider. That's absolutely true. Um, but kind of think of it like, like, a, like an onion a little bit. We're going to peel off that, kinda, that first layer that nobody likes to eat to kind of get to the good stuff here for a second. And if you don't like onions, excuse my analogy, but something's wrong with you. Um, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I love you. Uh, so, so here's the question, right? Right? Why would God ask Abraham to offer up Isaac? And so, first of all, I want you to look at the call uh, here in, in Scripture. So, uh, God says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, pause, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Very important you notice the language. God could have easily said, Abraham, get up and go take Isaac and just offer him up. But God chooses his words very wisely, on purpose, with intent. And God doesn't say, just get up and take Isaac. See, Isaac has become more than just Isaac in the life and in the heart of Abraham. See, Abraham at this point is, is now, now, at one point he was trusting God fully. He saw God as the one through whom all the promises would come. He had to wait patiently, he had to wait a long time. But now Isaac is here. Isaac's about 15. He's watched him grow up. He's watched him excel. He's this young, strapping young man. And and now Abraham's starting to see Isaac as the promise. And so God points that out to his heart. And he says, get up and take your son, your only son, the son whom you love. God uses three descriptors before he ever uses Isaac's name. Why? Because because Abraham had allowed Isaac, he was, he was at a dangerous place, maybe is a better way to put that. He had begun to idolize his child. He was beginning to see Isaac as the promise. Now, I want to hit pause in the story of Abraham and Isaac, and I want to show you something very similar happens in the life of Leah. Now, Leah, you guys didn't actually have this in your copy of the story. You had to be reading along in, in the Bible. But Leah, too, had an idol in her life. And we begin to see it as she starts to have children. So uh, in Genesis twenty nine thirty two, it says, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named him Reuben. For she said, ready, it is because the Lord has seen my misery, surely my husband will love me now. See? Abraham had an idol. His idol was his son. But Leah had an idol, and her idol was her husband. She thought, if I can just get my husband to love me, then my life will mean something. If my husband will love me rightly, then I'll be seen. If you don't believe it, just keep looking at, at her children. Genesis twenty nine thirty three. she conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. And she named him Simeon. She's still this unloved. She, she's not content. Again, another time she becomes pregnant. Genesis twenty nine thirty four. again she conceives fertile myrtle. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, now at last my husband will be attached to me. See this? Her heart is for the husband. She thinks if my husband will love me, then I will have value. If that happens, then I'll be content because I've born him three sons, so she names him Levi. Now listen, we need to pause there because here's the truth. She thinks her idol is Jacob. Her idol is Jacob's love. And, and, and the, the problem is she thinks that if Jacob will just love her, she'll be fulfilled. But she is never fulfilled by Jacob. And guess what? She's never fulfilled by Jacob because an idol can never fulfill you. Idols make huge promises, but they are always empty. 
Idols make huge promises, but they are always empty. We begin to live for them. We begin to say, if I get this, if I get that, if I do this, if I, then everything will be okay. But when you get the thing you idolize, you realize everything is never okay. And God is trying to teach Leah a lesson. And he's trying to teach Abraham a lesson. And the lesson is the same lesson. And that lesson is that there's nothing that your heart can desire after that will bring you joy and hope and contentment and peace and love. That is, you're not going to find that in anything you set your eyes on in this world. You can only find that through me, God. I am provider of those things. I am provider of those things. And Leah, check this out, she seems to get it. Because we find in the next verse, Genesis 29, 35, right? She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time, enough of this other stuff. Enough of this living for the love of Jacob. This time, this time, I'm going to praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. And then she stopped having children. And Jesus, the ultimate provider is going to be called what the lion from the tribe of judah she surrenders her idol to the lord and the lord uses that sweet moment and says this is how i will write my story it's really really kind of a big deal now back to abraham and isaac okay let's go back to them so uh, genesis 22 Verse 3 through 5. It seems the moment that God kind of calls Abraham, uh, Abraham to the carpet, he kind of gets it. He kind of gets it. Because it says early the next morning, Abraham gets up, loaded his donkey, takes his son with him uh, to the place that God had told him about. That next slide. Um, I think I have a next slide. Oh, yeah. And he says this. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. We will worship, and then we are going to come back to you, right? He kind of has this, this inkling that God is going to do something really powerful and, and really amazing, right? The, the, the Lord is, is calling him to something special. And then this happens, Genesis 22, 8, when Isaac asked him that, that famous question, Dad, where's the lamb? And, and he answers prophetically. And now I told you I'd show you a different version. This is the NASB. It's a word-for-word word translation. The NIV, which we're reading out of, is a thought-for-thought, thought, so we can get the general thought and the gist of what's going on. But the NASB specifically takes each word in the Hebrew and, and, and gives you the exact kind of translation that you get in the English. And so Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. Somebody says, Wait, what, does that, what does that mean? Why, why is that important? Because this is all about how God can use broken people for his glory, right? How can God use people like us to do amazing things for his glory? How can he do that? I know my backstory. You know your backstory. We're not worthy of that. And the answer is because God provides for himself. That's the answer. Because God provides for himself the story. That's what he does. God provides for himself. And God provides us with great testimonies. But not for us. He provides us with those testimonies for his glory, for his story. And, 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 and of course, God does that with Abraham. He does it when Abraham uh, raises the knife. When he raises the knife, remember in faith, God provides a substitute. God provides a substitute. And then uh, Abraham declares this, Genesis twenty-two fourteen, page 20 of your story. Abraham calls the name of that place, the whole region, the whole mountain region, right? He calls the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day in those mountains uh, that in the mountains the Lord uh, 
In the mountains of the Lord, it will be provided. And friends, it's in that place, in that actual region, some 2,000 years later, that that is exactly what God does. God provides His one and only Son. The Son whom He loves, Jesus. And there, Jesus is sacrificed for our sins as a substitute. As a substitute. I want to give you a few things to think about as you head home, just very briefly. Some challenges this week. Number one, I want to challenge you to believe that God can use you. Would you believe today that God can use you? Somebody says, I, I, I don't know, Pastor. I don't think I can be a Christian husband and a Christian father. My father wasn't. My father wasn't. Well, guess what? Neither, neither was Abraham's father. You can do it. Right? Abraham's father wasn't just an idol worshiper. He was an idol maker. God can change you. He can transform you. You can be the beginning of, of, of a new group of people that are followers of God. You can be. Somebody says, I, I, I don't know, Pastor. I'm getting a little old. I can't get around as much as I used to. Things kind of creak these days. I'm getting a little long in the tooth. I've already kind of been there and done that. Listen, you may not be able to do everything, but you can do something. You can do something. God's not finished with you yet, Right? Hey guys, we, 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 didn't, we, we didn't have coffee this morning because, again, one of our older gentlemen couldn't be here. Right? Anybody know how to make coffee in the church? Just raise your hand. You make coffee, right? Where all of you that are now lying that you don't know how to make coffee because you know what I'm about to say next. Come on, you've made coffee in your life. You know how to make coffee. Raise your hand. Come on. Right? So why does he have to be here to do it? Right? We're all capable of something. It's what I'm saying. And, and, and so somebody says, but you don't understand my past, man, my, my shame. God can use that too. This is extremely good news for us. God uses broken people. That's good news, right? He uses damaged goods. He uses people like me and, and you. And, and what I'm saying to you is this this morning. Ready? Your story is not over yet. Your story is not over yet. You've got to own that. You've got to believe that. God, my story is not over yet. You can still use me. Number two, I I want to challenge you this week to have the faith to follow God wherever he leads. To have the faith to follow God wherever he leads. In a room this big, I think there's somebody here this morning that in their heart, they're already feeling this. Like They're like, this is against everything I know. Like, this is against how I was raised. I wasn't raised in church. I don't know about any of this. I don't know about this God. I don't know what this is. But something deep in your heart is saying, pack it all up right now and follow me. Right? And that's all. And you, you need to have the faith to do that. That's what it means to, to be a follower of Christ, to be a follower of Jesus. And he says, well, how do I do that? How do I become a Christian? Right? It, the, the Bible literally says, if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. You just have to cry like, Jesus, save me. And it kind of literally looks like what Abraham did. It's like, my life ain't working out. I'm not enjoying this. This ain't all it's cracked up to be. I don't like it. I'm done with me. Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Maybe this morning, that's what God's calling you to do right here and right now. He is saying, pack up your life. Pack up your old ways. Pack up you being in charge. Pack it up and go and follow God today. And you can do that. Very simple prayer. Jesus, take control of my life. Wherever you lead me, I will go. Wherever you lead me, I will go. God will honor that prayer. Last thing I challenge you to think about this morning is this. Uh, this week, I want you to raise the knife. Now, listen, I don't mean literally, all right? When your husband ticks you off, ladies, don't you dare. I'm one of those husbands that does that, all right? I'm not talking about literally. I'm not talking about with the kids, all right? 
talking about figuratively here, and, and here's, here's what I would say to you guys. I, I, we come from such vast, different backgrounds, and as I try to meet you guys every week, I have no idea what you came here looking for this morning. Some of you came here this morning because you wanted to be a better person, right? Uh, you wanted to be a better husband, you wanted to be a better wife, you wanted to be a better parent, um, and you showed up for those reasons. And I, I don't know what that thing is that you think, if I'm better at this, if I have this, then life will have meaning, then I'll be content, then I'll finally have joy. I don't know what the then is, but I do know this, that then is in God's place. Whatever the if I have this is, that thing is in God's place. Because God, idols can never bring you the joy or the contentment or the thing that you want. Only God can do that. And so what we have to do is we have to get to a point that we identify that. We say, God, I realize you're the provider of joy and contentment and happiness and peace and security. I can't have those things apart from you. Lord, forgive me for thinking if I had this, then it would be better. If I lived in a better neighborhood, then I could finally relax. If I made just a little bit more money and I, my 401k was bigger, then I would be okay. If I could could get my husband to look at me the way that so-and-so's husband look at her, then I would be fine. If my kids would just behave for 10 minutes when we're trying to talk about Jesus at the dinner table, then everything would be fine. Idols are liars. Idols are liars. They make empty promises that they can never fulfill. So I don't know what you came here looking for, but I do know whatever that thing is is sitting in Jesus' place. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is crazy this week. I want you to identify it, and then I want you to raise the knife. Be ready to let go of it. Whatever that dream is, but if we just have this house, be ready to let go of it. And here's the crazy thing. What you might find when you raise the knife, that what God will do is he'll take that thing that you put in his place, and he'll put it in its proper place. Leah, he'll put it in its proper place, and then he will use that thing. Once it's in its proper place, under the authority of God, he will use that thing to change the world. That's what you might find. That's what we find as we study the story of God together. Pray with me this morning. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your goodness. And thank you for your word. Next few moments, would you just allow us to respond with all of our hearts? However you call us, wherever you lead us, I pray that we would go in Jesus' name. We pray this. Amen, amen, amen. Um, I'm going to ask you to just pray this little prayer this morning. Uh, during this prayer, if there's somebody here, I, I know I've, I've got at least one family that's wanting to join the church this morning. Uh, I've got one that wants to talk about baptism. So you guys that want to talk about those kind of things, you can, actually, uh, you can actually get up and say, excuse me, excuse me, and walk past people. It's cool. You're not going to offend anybody. And come see me here in a minute. But here's the rest of us. And, and, and you're always welcome to get up here, by the way. This is a free place. So you can raise your hands and worship. You can clap. You can put them in your pockets. Like, what like we are free to worship God, however God the Lord calls us to do that. Um, but one of the things that we invite you always during this time, if you feel like you need to come and pray down here, you can do that, okay? I'm not saying you have to stay in your seats. But we are going to pray this one prayer uh, together. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads wherever you are. And I want you to pray this simple prayer. We do it a lot here. But it's just this. God... How are you speaking to me? Right, God, how are you speaking to me? Lord, have I stopped believing that you could work in me? God, how are you speaking to me, right? God, have I ceased to follow you? Is today the day? Is today the day to get up and go talk to the pastor about what it means to be a Christian? Is today the day? Do I need to pack up my life today and say, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus no matter what? I know there's details. I'm not going to get it all figured out. But today I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to do it today. Maybe that's what he's calling you to. Maybe he's pointing out an idol. And he's asking that today would be the day that you raise the knife. Let's just pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, 
Show me. How are you speaking to me right now? Just give him a few minutes. Lord, thank you so much for inviting us into this story. This thing that is all about faith in a God that has the power to use people like us. That's extremely good news. Would you light a fire in each of our hearts here today? and Remind each of us, you're not done with our story. It's not written. It's not over. Some parents in the room feel like it's already too late. He's a teenager now and I can't. No, it's never too late. You are not finished with us. God, I pray today that we're inspired by the story of Abraham and we're challenged. And I pray because we've heard it and hopefully taught it rightly that we would leave here as different people than when we came in. Please, Jesus, we ask this in your holy and precious name. Amen, 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 amen.